us again it's us we're back we're back <laughs> we have hot topics for you guys today yeah. tonight it's nighttime it is but mm-hmm. that's the bright time <laughs> we're we're a little tired <laughs> it's been hard to get yeah things together to to be here we tried to record yesterday and that didn't happen but we are fully committed to this podcast aren't we so committed well, we have little girls. It's been storming. And Anna's version of a storm is rain. Yeah. My version is four feet of snow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's been a mess. We've tried. And you know what? Has this not been like a fun outlet for you this week? It though? has. It I'm has. learning some really interesting things, as yeah. I'm sure everybody else is. Yeah. No, we were just talking about how exciting it's going to be once we've got say 100 episodes under yeah. our belt i was and doing the math on that and i was like that's going to take us over two years if we do uh, an episode a week it's going to take us about two years do you think we'll still be friends it's up in the air <laughs> <laughs> should we find replacements no. just in we're irreplaceable i don't think that's possible that's right. no but we'll be yeah. here we'll be here what if we grew up and then our daughters did the podcast oh my gosh up? don't even they're they're gonna think we're so not cool. Watch. Oh God, I didn't even think about how this is just around forever now. Yeah, they could just find it. Yeah, mom. So we're tired moms coming at you as tired moms who still really love weird stuff yeah. and want to talk about it. Yeah. It's fun. Oh so yeah, it was great. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I'll yeah. listen to it if no one else does. But it was it was cool because um, we got some love. People were listening. That was cool. They were, yeah. No, that was really nice. Is that a segue into? <laughs> oh. oh, oh. Well, we I'm got good at that. A, I guess. Email. Yeah, we did. We got like our first fan mail, and that was like pretty exciting. No, it was actually it was really nice to have people not only reach out but reach out and be like, "You guys are my people." Yeah, like we people. were starting a little like cult. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, just a little one. Yeah, no one's gonna commit suicide or anything. Like everyone's just yeah, yeah. Well, we got an email from this lovely girl named Kate, and we were talking about the Victorian era, and Anna was telling us a whole lot about morning customs, and, you know, we didn't really know what no, we were No, like, about. we just started, like, going <laughs> off on a tangent about Queen Victoria, and then we, like, learned real yeah. quick. We're like, wait, I, I'm not sure I know what I'm talking yeah. about, but... A lot of speculation. Yeah. We did, both of us. Yeah. On both ends. Guilty. Um... But we got an email from someone who knows more than us, which is awesome. If you ever know more than us, please send us emails. Yeah. We just we just like to talk. Don't be too mean about it, but yeah, let us know. Yeah. Don't you don't have to be an asshole. And she certainly <laughs> wasn't. She was really yeah. sweet. So we like Kate. Um I just wanted to read a little excerpt from this email, if I could. Yeah. We were talking about like to give it some context, we were talking about like Queen Victoria during the morning period and like her fashion contributing to um, the influence and like kind of what she went through right so yeah 
and we didn't know how long mourning periods went on for. I think on the podcast, you said around two weeks or maybe No, it like went on for two years. I said two weeks and then I looked up a fact and it was like actually like two years. But then we like discovered that Queen Victoria was like basically in mourning for the rest of her life. (laughs) Yeah. No, afterwards, Anna sent me a picture with a little caption about how she was in mourning just forevermore. Yeah. We had no idea. So we learned something, guys. She wore black forever. Like she never Mm -hmm. stopped. Isn't that crazy? She was the OG goth. <laughs> I was just going to say that actual same thing. Really? <laughs> we almost just said the same thing at the same time. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Kate, our new friend Kate, says, ready? Um, morning colors and morning actually spans before the Victorian era, which I didn't really know. Yeah. And while Queen Victoria's 40-year mourning for her husband, Prince Albert, I think, she says in parentheses, mm-hmm. is one of, I think so, too. Is one of the more famous examples. The practice started before her. Morning colors in particular were always blacks, purples, violets. There's examples of these from the Regency and before. And you would start in deep mourning. See, now this I kind of know about, but I didn't know too much. I didn't want to say. So deep mourning would be black. And then about six months to a year, depending on your relationship with the deceased. Um, Normally you'd never go out. People could only come to you. If you were a woman and your husband passed away, it was unacceptable to have suitors during this time or male visitors that were not in your family or important to society. Mm -hmm. I like that. Um, Colors were all black, darkest shades, normally made specifically for you during the couple of days after the passing. And then you'd go into late morning, which is when um, one would start going back out into society, having visitors, but no courting was allowed, Anna. None. None. Um, male visitors with chaperones were acceptable. Isn't that cute? You could bring your mom over and it's like, oh, she's in mourning. I have to bring mom with me. Um, and then those colors would be lavenders, grays, purples. Don't you love that you could just look at someone and know when someone close to them passed yeah. away by what they were wearing? So that's our friend Kate um, saying some really interesting things about mourning. So if you guys ever hear us talking and we're flat out wrong, let us know. Yeah. Be nice. Tell us we're us wrong. Know. Or, or just to elaborate, just to, like, provide mm. some additional information mm-hmm. that we may have missed. Um, we have more topics. We have though. more that topics. Last week. And I think I chose my topics kind of, like, to further go in depth about some of the topics we spoke about last week. Um, they just kind of, like, spurred on my first topic, which you're going to totally freak out because I think it's something that we both are like super enthusiastic about and we daydream about doing this all the time together. Um, You stop. Yeah. We don't tell each other the topics, by the way. Yeah, we don't. It's actually really hard because we have no filter in our friendship with each other and then we save this tidbit for podcast day. So we were talking about Victorian morning last week and Mm -hmm. we were talking about the Victorian era and I I said a little bit about graveyards and cemeteries. (gasps) Um, so I'm actually talking about some interesting historical facts about graveyards and cemeteries. You bitch. Yeah. Ooh, I'm excited. Yeah. And they're just like some things you may know or may not know. I actually like don't think I knew a single one of these, like even some of the most basic things. And it was kind of weird considering like I think I'm somebody who like loves to hang out in a cemetery, but yeah. I like didn't know. Um, so the first question is. Yes. Do you know the difference between a graveyard and a cemetery? No. So a graveyard, a graveyard is something that adjoins the church. Oh. A cemetery does okay. not. And in a cemetery, you can bury ashes. 
And like a cemetery is more of like what you see in like our typical park settings, like the most like landscaped, yeah. beautiful. Like a graveyard was typically the earliest form of a cemetery when most people were just buried at a church. Um, I had no idea. Yeah. I've always just intermingled. I thought they were just like another words. phrase for the same thing. It was yeah. actually different. Um, wow. So like I was saying, um, graveyards were were joined to a church but before that in before the 19th century most people were buried like on their actual plot of land or like just on the outskirts of town that those didn't Mm -hmm. even exist um so it wasn't until later that they started burying people in churchyards and um churchyards or like graveyards were like super desolate and um they like really lacked any like pretty setting or like they didn't really encourage people to linger or to appreciate it and they were like pretty depressing really and like so the way cemeteries came about um was because so these little towns that had these little graveyards they started to become like super overpopulated like people were Mm. being buried super close together or even on top of each other (laughs) (laughs) and as these like towns flourished and grew and more people were dying um it kind of became like a health concern and uh they needed to start like expanding this industry (laughs) so um in the 1830s the rural cemetery movement started and i had never heard of that term ever i don't know any of yeah like i was like how do i not know any of this um and that was basically where let me see let me quote this um So these were well-maintained, had grass, trees, and flowers for giving it a park-like feel. And that was then that people began the tradition of picnicking in the cemetery, and especially on Sundays. That is what I do, by the way. Yeah. I've I've always felt really strange about it. That was an actual thing. you always wonder, like... Like, it's not actually in bad taste to do that. Like, people frequently did that. And families would, like, go on Sundays to picnic in the cemetery. And it was like, they they really thought that actually cemeteries were the first... Um, like the predecessor to actual parks in general, like what the hell? Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, no, I've always felt so strange about it. Like, did they make this park like on purpose? Yeah, am I the only one that yeah. likes to walk? People around actually like place? thought it was like you know because of the rural cemetery movement, they started to like really have an appreciation for, um, and like for gravestones too. Like it became like they wanted to like have a you know preserve the beauty and like have these monuments basically there for people to enjoy um so um they were based on english landscape gardening and they Mm -hmm. like really were supposed to have like a romantic vision so i'm like no wonder we freaking as probably a lot of our Mm -hmm. listeners do like love cemeteries like really peaceful place to be um and the interesting part about that is that like when they were planning out these cemeteries which most cemeteries are super old um that was exactly what they were going for like they were trying to go for this most peaceful tranquil like just and so the difference too between graveyards and cemeteries is graveyards typically are just like a square and they're very grid-like in in cemeteries you're all like you'll see like hills and twisting path pathways and stuff more of like a garden like setting not all of them but a lot of them speaking of which the one that i'm going to take you to when you come to california yeah we're going on a field trip guys actually we'll probably go to a few but yeah Yeah. we'll document that we'll take videos you probably want to go to hollywood um, forever have you been there yeah it's really funny because last night when i went to bed anna and i had a wine skype date last night 
with her with her husband and a daughter. Um, she made an appearance in her Peppa Pig shirt. Um, yeah, Peppa. but yeah, I when I went to bed last night, I was like, oh, I didn't mention that I want to go there. Yeah, and I've never been, but I assumed that I've oh, never really? been. How have I never been? I don't know. You guys, this is gonna be really exciting. Yeah. Well, you know, I love to eat my lunch and donuts in the graveyard, but you know what? It's a cemetery. Yeah. I'm gonna start calling it that out of respect. So, do you know what wow gravestones are? No. Yeah, right? No. This one's funny. And this one makes me think of how, you know, when you go to Vista Print or like one of those <laughs> places and you can get like free business cards and the yes, the, the catch is that they have to have their logo on your business card. <laughs> oh, God, no. This is kind of the version of that. <laughs> Do for you think Vista Print will start doing gravestones? <laughs> this one made me laugh because it just instantly made me think of Vista Print. Or like it made me think of actually how our website has that too on it because yeah. it's the free version. Yeah, our website's still. <laughs> it says you know, like Wix, Wix ad on it. Um, yeah. So, wow gravestones. Um, if you see the word wow on a gravestone, you found the burial place of a former member of the Woodman of the World, which is an American fraternal insurance company. And it gets better. Riveting. Yeah. No, <laughs> they gave widows $100 and a free gravestone if their logo was on the stone. <laughs> I love them so much. Yeah, Are little... they still around? Can we I don't have know. With them? But I've never seen mm. one. I, I don't think I've ever seen a wild gravestone. I don't. Th- I know. Now I'm trying to think. I I don't remember so seeing something. So there's like, that. like a there's an emblem on it, and it, it will depict a sawed off tree stump with a mallet, um, or a beetle, or like an axe and a wedge, or something like that. Um, so like now that we're gonna be going, we're more, looking everywhere. We should be those. like see those. Hey, listeners, if you have seen one of those, let we us really know. We want to see it. I suppose I could Google it, but if you've actually been there, I want to see. Take a picture of your wow gravestones for us. Yeah. Thanks. So funny. Um, so the next creepy one, this one's kind of creepy and I didn't know about this. Maybe you did. Um, so up until the 18th century, a lot of graves, like you just got quiet. A lot of graves were covered in iron cages. I did know this. Yes. They were called mort safes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, or they were like covered entirely with stones. So there were four reasons for this. The, the first one isn't that creepy, and it makes complete sense, is that one, they wanted to keep animals from digging up the corpse. Fair mm-hmm. enough. Um, two was to keep people from walking or sitting on the graves. So, okay. You know, sign of respect. Yeah. Three, this one was crazy, and I feel like we should look more into this topic in general, um, to keep the deceased from becoming a vampire or zombie. That's the reason I know. Yeah. I want to dive more into like the folklore behind the Mm -hmm. myths behind they thought people would become vampires or zombies. Yeah. Of course, we got to talk about zombies at some point in this podcast. Sure. Um, And four was to keep the grave from being ravaged by grave robbers. So grave robbers um, would like dig up the graves and a lot of times they would um, like steal the corpses and they would sell them for science i was gonna say yeah. i thought you were gonna say you know stealing jewelry or stealing jewelry thing, sure but yeah but yeah a popular yeah. one that i didn't know about until recently was that they would like sell them which i knew that before this but they would sell them to like the medical field for like cadavers that's do you know the story of h yeah i was just gonna say that yeah that's, yeah 
we should probably talk about him at some point. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we've got to. Everybody talks about him. He's. I was just going to say he's a good guy. He's not, not a, good a good guy. guy. He's the opposite of a good yeah. guy. <laughs> but you sometimes think good guys, bad guys are good guys. Mm-hmm. He just really wanted to sell some cadavers. Yeah. <laughs> you probably would have had such a crush on him. Yeah. I would have been like, Allison, no. <laughs> you would have been like, oh, I'm so... But HH, he's my boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I love him. The type of stones. Here's another. Next. We'll move on. So the type of stones used for gravestones can reveal wealth or military affiliation, which mm. I didn't know this, but it makes complete sense. Duh. Um, so American gravestones are typically made from granite, marble, limestone, sandstone, slate, et cetera, et cetera, wood even. Um, I like the slate ones. Those are really cool. Those, mm, there's a lot in Salem. Oh, really? We're going on another field trip to Salem because yeah. Anna has never been. In October, guys, yeah. of course. Yeah. Um, we're going to go the first week of October. Yeah. Ooh, should I not tell people that? <laughs> Will we get stalkers? <laughs> no. If we... They're just friends. Come on, come on. Would, I would be flattered if someone thought I was cool enough to stalk me. If you don't have a knife, I mean, come hang yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Be fun. But we're going to Salem, and there are a lot of slate yeah. gravestones. I just... What yeah, are the... I'm really excited. Like, are slate like a dark, cementy-looking... Yeah, but it's also just, like, the shape is very specific. Mm. Like, it's they're thinner, um, and a lot of them are worn. Oh. Like, with time, they get worn um, pretty easily, unless there's really good preservation. Hmm. Did I tell you that I had a a stint where I did a lot of research into um, graveyard preservation and, like, Mm -mm. stones, preserving the stones? I was going to do that when when I first moved to Maine from Boston. And then, this is so stupid, but I was walking around a graveyard one day. Maybe it was a cemetery, and was like shit. Mosquitoes. Oh, <laughs> there's mosquitoes everywhere. <laughs> you don't like bugs in the summer. No, but you have you met mosquitoes like when they're in a mass? Oh my god. Yeah. I've never, I haven't oh, had too so much of a problem in North America. Yeah. Well, it occurred to me that all the volunteers that have learned this craft and are doing it are on their hands and knees, covered in mosquitoes all day. Yeah. So you said no <sighs> to that. It kind of turned me away yeah. from it, I won't lie, but because I like to go right before it's dark. Yeah. And that's when mosquitoes like to go also. So I learned a whole lot about it, but I never really got into it. Mm. That could be a topic one yeah. day. That's a cool topic. Um, but yeah, the, the slate ones just, um, they just have such an old tiny feel that I love. Um, they just, they, whatever I see them, they remind me of Salem mm. and like the 16, 1700s so much. Ooh. So they're like yeah. really old, old, old. Yeah, they have a skull and crossbones. Do you ever go, them. like, when you're in a cemetery? Um, I'm always looking at the dates. Like, I'm always like, which is the oldest one yep. in here? <laughs> yes. I do that all the time. I think I told you that I, I would do that all the time when I was pregnant. I lived near a cemetery, and I would walk through it to try and induce labor, <laughs> walking through it, and also to try and pick baby names. So oh, I would look around. Because there's a lot of old names, too. Yeah. That's a good idea. Um, but then I found a lot of baby gravestones. When I can't do you're it. Pregnant and looking at baby grapes. I hate that one. Not the best. And there's a lot of yeah. them. A lot of children, like we were talking about in the last episode. A lot of children were dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So wasn't as happy. Wasn't a fun park experience for me. So wealthy families opted for marble or granite. Poorer families went with headstones of um, sandstone, lime, or even wood, which makes me sad. 
Because you know, like, wood's yeah. not going to hold up at all. Um, no. So, like, a proof of that is that, I guess, okay, so during the Civil War, they were, like, having mass burials. Um, and they were able to produce um, headstones for $1.73 out of wood. And then they found out really quickly, these companies, that, like, within five years, they would, like, completely disintegrate. And they were having to replace, like, a shit ton of gravestones. Oh, my gosh. I can't imagine. Yeah, I can't imagine. So now... Military gravestones are, are like always uniform in design and they're made of marble, bronze, or granite. Um, but they're beautiful yeah. too. Military cemeteries are so beautiful. Like, I don't get nearly as sad in like a typical cemetery, like just the common yeah. folk. <laughs> but like yeah. when I see like the mass casualties of war, I'm like, oh Jesus. Like, it's, yeah, it's not easy to see. So cemeteries are sad, but yeah. also happy. I mean, Pleasant. they're be- they're beautiful. Yeah. They're still sad. Does it make you want to be buried in a cemetery? Yeah. You do? Yeah. I don't want to be cremated either. That's, I want worms just, to get me. We found, we found out our first difference. <gasps> I absolutely do not are want to friends? be buried in a cemetery. Tell me why. Why? Because I'm kind of a hippie at heart and like I want to be like in the earth and I'm like just cremate me don't spend the money and like put me yeah. in the ground and plant a tree or in the I want I want someone to spread my ashes like all over the place like a little in the ocean and like everywhere I love so I just just put me everywhere. That is a nice idea. Yeah. No I do I do love the idea of like I'm just dead don't spend money on me now like yeah because it really is so expensive and it's such yeah. a big I'd rather someone thing. like donate like, the money. Just, yeah, donate my organs, turn me into ashes, put me back in the earth. I get that. So early American settlers wanted their feet pointing east and their heads to the west. So they were, quote, ready to rise up and face the sun of the new day when they hoped to be reborn. Don't you love shit like that? I just love hearing stuff like that so much. Mm-hmm. Like, they are. I love trivia so much. Because there's a meaning to everything, isn't there? Yeah. But actually... In graveyards, that was really typical for, like, them to point east. And then you'll find that in after the rural cemetery movement, um, like, it became, like, less strict. And, like, cemeteries were, like, configured more free. And you know, people were facing different ways. So. Yeah. Um, Rebels. Yeah. All of, all of them. Yeah. Wow. Um, so we were talking a little bit about, like, um, we were talking about children's gravestones. Which leads me into, like, the motifs that are on gravestones and what they mean. I was going to say we should cover that in another episode, but I didn't realize you had it covered, so awesome. There's symbols on gravestones, and they actually have meanings, so I'll just name a few. Like, a winged hourglass. That means that time flies. Did you know that? Whoa. <laughs> but an hourglass on its side indicates that's time stopping for the dead. Have you ever seen... A broken flower or tree? Not that I recall, no. We're going to have to seek these out. So um, a broken flower or a tree is a life cut short. Uh, Hands in a prayer position reflect devotion. Mm. A hand pointing down represents a sudden death. A handshake reflects the clasped hands of a couple to be reunited reunited in death. Which is cute. I've seen that one. I have seen that one, yeah. Yeah. Um, do you ever see gravestones and just wonder their whole life story? Yeah. Like, who are yes. you? Yes. And I, there's, um, there's a website for the local cemetery, because I'm such a weirdo, 
I'm in it all the time eating donuts, as I've yeah, said. Yeah, she does. Um, she does that at least once a week, well, weather permitting. Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes I'll eat them in my car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I just drive through the cemetery in our little town. Um, I just, like, yeah. drive through it every once in a while. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. I just, I'll, I'll take the long way. Yeah. Like, I know where, I, there's my areas where I like to be, yeah. and there's certain gravestones I'll see over and over again, and I'm just like, who are these people? And there's, in my local cemetery website, you can actually look up some of them. Yeah. So I, like a creep, was like, oh, the ones oh, I, yeah. Roberta, who's that? And you can see Roberta. I used to live in a Victorian house, and um, it was built in 1903, and it was haunted. And I really wanted to know who lived there. So I looked it up, and I was able to find, like, old newspaper articles. And there was a young woman named Adeline. And she actually died at the age of 21, a year after giving birth to her first child. And she was buried in the local cemetery. And I actually got to go visit her gravestone. And I'd cry so hard. I love it. And the, the weirdest thing is for. I used to hear a, a young woman singing, like like lullabies. Yeah. Oh, my and She's God. just, like, buried down the street. Adeline. She died from a sudden illness. Wow. Yeah. That's really, really yeah. interesting. We should definitely... Um, talk about some paranormal topics in the future well yeah i think it's coming up but yeah yeah i would like to do that a lot because we have a lot of stories i also grew up in a haunted house well you do you when did you live in yours um like about three years ago yeah okay Why are you yeah mine, i was about eight or nine years. no i wasn't i was five <laughs> i was four oh. or five I was in kindergarten, but I still remember everything. But the people that lived in the house after us and the people after that all had stories as well. So I've got stories for days, guys. Yeah, we'll talk about um, those. That place was weird. Yeah. yeah. Wait, so I have to just finish talking about these motifs, and then I'm going to move on to my last yeah. topic about graveyards and cemeteries, and then we will be moving on. We were talking about uh, children's gravestones, and you'll find lambs often on children's gravestones, which I see those all the time. Mm-hmm. Do you? Um, no. No? <laughs> I don't think so. Whoa. A lot of the ones I see are babies that don't even have names yet. It'll say, like, baby boy. Yeah. Or that, baby yeah. Humphrey. <laughs> Something. You know? And then this one was weird, and I've never seen or heard of it. Roosters, which are uncommon. Weird. Um, they are thought to symbolize Judgment Day. So it's just, like, a shitty Jeez. thing. Like, someone was, like, messed up, and they were just, <laughs> like, you're going to get yours. You get a rooster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's upsetting. And so wow. the last part of what I have to talk about is uh, something that you're going to like. It's a little, it's the origins of the phrase graveyard shift and where that comes from. I already know yeah, it. you already know it. Um, but please. So remember when we were talking about how graveyards were running out of room? Mm-hmm. So before they really figured out like, oh, we need to like make cemeteries. Um, they, they, they were running out of room for places to bury people. So they started digging up the coffins and taking the bones to what's called a bone house. Um, I didn't actually look up what a bone house is. Do you know what a bone house is? Like what were they doing with I, these if bones? If I remember correctly, um, I, I think a bone house was before they buried them, they would use bells to see if um, they were alive or not. No, no, no. That's different. That's not. There's a name for that one, too. Cut. But it wasn't just bones. It was like Cut. full people with bones Cut. in them. Cut. You're ruining my story. You just ruined it. I was like, shut up. Quit talking. Else. Fuck you. Don't talk about the bells. We're not there yet. There were no, there were no bells. 
They moved the bones to a bone house and they started to reuse the grave. <laughs> Sorry, now I'm laughing about bone house. <laughs> I have to start this whole thing over without the phrase bone house. And without the bells. I'll just replace the word bells with something else like bananas. <laughs> yeah. But there was, tell your bell story because there was another thing with bells. So they ran out of room in the graveyards. So they were digging up the coffins and they were taking out the people out of the graves so they could reuse the graves, which is so weird. Like, didn't the people who originally like pay for the grave, like, uh, excuse me, this is my real estate here. Yeah. They're double dipping there. Yeah. That's, uh, that's kind of shady. Yeah. Um, so, but then mm-hmm. when they were reopening the coffins... They were seeing that, like, one out of 25 were found to have scratch marks on the inside. (laughs) So they realized they were burying people alive. So they were like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to tie a string around the wrist of the corpse. Then we're going to lead it through the coffin and up through the ground and tie it to a bell. So then they'd have some, some poor person just sit out in the graveyard all night long which is why they call it the graveyard shift, and they would listen for the ringing bell. So the term, quote, saved by the bell or dead ringer is the phrases coined for, like, when a dead person rang the bell. Now, I want to know if that actually ever really happened. Like, someone was sitting in the graveyard, and somebody was like, shit, ding, 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 ding. Well, I can add to that, Yeah, actually. please do. So... What used to happen is as the bodies were decomposing, mm-hmm. you know, limbs would kind of fall, hands would move, things like that. Gases, so probably. Would, yes. So the bells would be rung, rang, ring, With, ringed. Yeah. <laughs> um, the bells would sound and um, and people would be alerted and they'd dig up the body immediately and find that they were still dead. Um, and the houses I was talking about earlier, which now I need to do more research on that, but the houses I was talking about earlier, not bone houses, but where people were kept, I think before, um, they were buried, the same thing would happen where they would attach them all to bells and make sure they were all fully dead. I think it would happen a lot when there were diseases, like plague-like diseases and people all seemed dead, but there were just so many, they couldn't keep track of them all. Yeah. Or they couldn't bury them all at the time. Um, they would do that to make sure that they were dead before they buried them. Because then they'd get scratchy coffins. <laughs> Hello, I'm Vincent Price. I'm here to introduce a new chilling series of classic ghost stories. Strangely enough, this type of story has been neglected by television. Only occasionally has a real ghost story been presented properly on TV. And when it was, it was met with immediate acceptance and popularity. I'll I'll tell you a story. Tell me a story. You ready for this jelly? Yes. Um, my topic right now, this first topic, is about Mina Crandon, the blonde witch of Lime Street. Oh, hell yes. Are you super excited? I'm super excited. You like to talk about, like, hot bitches. She's 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 a hot bitch. Yeah. yeah. Actually, she's, she was kind of known for being a hot bitch. Yeah. Um, she kind of was. Yeah. Um, so the blonde witch of Lime Street, um, her name is Marjorie Crandon. People called her Mina Crandon. She was a psychic, supposedly. Um, and she was really brought to fame 
um, in association with Houdini. So Mm -hmm. people know Houdini as a magician, an illusionist, a master of of trickery and escapism and all of that. Um, So something not a lot of people know is that he was also very famous back in the day for debunking psychics. He was really into... Um, do, yeah, making sure that people who were frauds were found out. He wanted to make sure that oh. people put the work in and did it right. He was on a famous panel called the American Society for Psychic Research. And um, so Mina was, um, let's see, she is from Ontario originally, but she moved to Boston when she was 16. So she's known as being from Boston. Mm. Um, she married a grocery store owner. Marriage failed around 1918, and that's when she met her second husband, which is where everything changed. Um, so she had routine surgery and met a surgeon named Leroy Crandon, mm-hmm. and he was a teacher and a lecturer at Harvard, mm-hmm. which we're also going to mm-hmm. for our field mm-hmm. trip. Um, okay, so she fell in love with Leroy Crandon, who was her surgeon. So he was really rich and really well-respected as a lecturer and teacher, and he also had a huge interest in genealogy and mediumship. Mm-hmm. Um, so no one quite knows what happened in the confines of their marriage, but at some point around 1923, she became really interested in seances yes. um, and mediumship. And so um, I guess he, I haven't looked into this too much, but he had a morbid curiosity about mortality, mm-hmm. I guess. Like he was just really obsessed with that. And so, so a lot of people thought she started getting into seances to distract him from that. And it was kind of like a fun little thing that they could do. Um, Because he had an interest in it as well. So in 1923, they had their first seance. They did table tipping. Do you know what that is? They kind of like levitate a table, right? Yeah. Well, it's it's a form of seance where you would all join hands and kind of put them on the table Mm -hmm. together and then wait for movements on the table. That was part of the... the seance is the spirit's supposed to make the table move mm-hmm. or tip so a lot of you know it's widely debunked because you can easily manipulate that mm-hmm. um so she would invite a lot of their you know snooty friends from boston and the high class people some middle class people the elite squad of you know mm-hmm. educated philosophers and teachers and all of that um and one of the most famous guests in the early days was Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, mm-hmm. who wrote the Sherlock mm-hmm. stories. Mm-hmm. And so he was a huge believer in Mina and her powers. So he gave her so much credibility. And a lot of people from that point onward were like, oh, she must be great. She must be real if he's saying it. So that actually was significant um, in sort of her career doing this, even though she never really asked for money. That was actually a big thing with her credibility as well, as she never mm. asked for money. So people like assumed, Cleo. oh, she just okay. has a gift. <laughs> she was not Miss Cleo. <laughs> So glad you remember Miss Cleo. <laughs> we'll put a picture of Miss Cleo on the blog. <laughs> um, so in in 1923, during one of these first table tipping sessions, her brother Walter came through, and he had died in a rail accident in 1911. Mm. And that was sort of um, that ended up being her spirit guide. So in, and in her home in Lime Street in Boston, she um, which we should find and go yeah. to Anna because we're also going to oh Boston. We're we're really making our rounds. Yeah. We're going to go to Lime Street. Yeah. Ooh. Um, so she, um, in her home, would have these seances. And um, and so Walter came through. And Walter, throughout her life as a psychic, became her spirit guide. Everything was attributed to Walter. And Walter controlled it all. Interesting. Um, yeah. So I guess Walter's spirit would rap and send out messages. He would tip the tables. They would hear trumpet sounds. I guess he was known to be very unfriendly. 
and he would have a really gruff sort of disembodied voice and would quote scripture and it was all Walter like it wasn't Mina it was Walter coming through Hmm. so something about Mina's seances they kind of became sexual in nature. Oh. She was known to, yeah, I guess so. I don't know if this is common practice. I don't think so. Her husband would have nude photos of her and pass them around to people. Like, here, you check out my wife. Whoa. And then she would hold a lot of these seances in the nude. And people don't really know why. Maybe she was trying to say, like, you know, I, I'm not hiding anything. Yeah, exactly. But I'm stripped bare. If you hear of, yeah, if you hear of Mina Crandon, a lot of the times you'll hear about ectoplasm. Oh. And she had ectoplasm coming out of everywhere. Shut uh Yeah. So she, <laughs> that's a very common thing when you hear her name and know anything about <gasps> her because people are really shocked about that. So um, basically what I found out in my research is that no one ever saw it come out of her, but it would be on her chair. Um, it would be over her face. It would be coming out of every orifice they described. But they would never see it coming out because she needed pitch black to perform her powers. And her husband would shine just a red light on her at certain points so that you could see it was happening. Sounds like And bullshit. everyone said that, doesn't it? I know. I'm actually surprised so many people felt for yeah. it. So, um, so yeah, they, they no one ever saw it coming out of her. And that's when they started getting suspicious. And so basically she you know had these seances and got pretty famous for them reputable and then there was a big contest put on by um, this association the american society of psychic research and they were going to give a prize of twenty five hundred dollars in 1925 oh, that's a, a lot, lot of money, money. Yeah. yeah to to someone they basically wanted to find a psychic who they could prove was the real deal Mm -hmm. that um i don't remember what their exact specifications were basically they were going to study this person and they did study mina for five months and award money to you if um everything checked out if you could stump them and they couldn't figure out Mm -hmm. and they were some notable people um so one of them was uh, william mcdougall which was a professor of psychology at harvard Mm -hmm. harry houdini Mm -hmm. we know who he is um, Walter Franklin Price, which was a psychic researcher, and he was a psychic researcher in the sense that he wasn't um, really favorable to them. Mm. Like, he really yeah. wanted to debunk yeah. them. So it wasn't like, oh, yes. They were all skeptics. Uh, Daniel Frost Comstock, who introduced Technicolor to film, mm. um, an amateur magician named Harold Carrington, um, and then another uh, psychic researcher called Eusapia mm. Palladino. I botched that. Um, before um, they decided to take her on to do the testing, Daniel Frost and Houdini went to a bunch of her seances at her home on Lime Street, and um, they wanted to just see if there was anything they could observe. And there were a few things. Like, I guess Houdini noticed that she had escaped control and stretched her foot out to ring a bell in the seance room. So it wasn't Walter. And Houdini told the whole committee about this. Um, and he also showed them exactly how she had done it because he's like a master of tricks. So he was able to say like, oh, I saw this and I completely understand yeah. it. Kind of like there's a show with Penn and Teller where they do yes. the same thing where they watch a magician and they say, oh, I know what you did. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what he was doing with Marjorie, just watching her really closely mm-hmm. to figure out, figure out her secrets. Um, I mean, she did so they have visited again. on her side. So she didn't. She didn't. Oh. There's That's what I found really interesting uh, researching this was a lot of people associate her with Houdini was stumped by her. If they hear her name, they also hear that she oh. was the one psychic Houdini couldn't figure out. Uh-huh. Um, and that I found out was false. Wow. 
So basically what happened is he was always very skeptical of her. And then um, when she actually went in for the testing, which ran for about five months, um, she, you know, it was like in sort of a clinical setting as much as it could be for sort of a pseudoscience experiment. Um, And they made a cabinet box made of metal that they placed her in so that she couldn't move her hands and feet so that or so that she could only you could only see her hands and feet Mm -hmm. and she was just sort of like locked in this box and so things weren't really happening until a bell rang in a box that they had put out for her what happened was they said over time 80 percent of what she had done during this experiment they couldn't figure out where it was coming from Mm -hmm. so they thought it was paranormal houdini never bought that a lot of people in the committee it went right over their head all of these tricks but him the whole time he kind of understood what was happening and just thought I'm gonna get this girl I'm gonna get her everybody believes her I don't and what ended up happening was in the media someone um, in that room or either close to the experiment said the opposite said that Houdini was stumped by this woman and he was furious yeah. he ended up actually writing a little book after all this came about called Houdini exposes the tricks used by the Boston media Marjorie um, and he thought she was just using clever tricks and Um, her supporters thought she was genuine and he just didn't buy it ever but if you research the story from afar which I did long ago you would find a lot of articles about how he was stumped by Marjorie and it was the one person he could never fully debunk Um, that's not true at all so that's what I found in in researching this so a lot of things would happen you know just sort of the bumps in the night Mm -hmm. and the sounds and the bells and all that and they were really trying to get um, some good control on on their test subject and um one of the things that happened so the ectoplasm all that blah 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 and then she also had a spirit hand that would make an appearance and they later found out it was um made of uh like animal liver and stuff like that so it was it was part of the whole ectoplasm thing and a lot of people said it just looked like cold meat or rubber or something like that they couldn't figure out what it was but i think they got it tested and found that it was animal um so, so that's kind of what it's, what started unraveling all of this is that she was not really she couldn't prove yeah. where all these strange things were coming from, yeah. but people kind of tuned into what they probably were, you know, like if it quacks like a duck, <laughs> that kind of right. thing. Right. So people started getting really suspicious. They couldn't see the ectoplasm. They couldn't see what was going on except for this red light. Um, this spirit hand looked like animal and Houdini wasn't buying any of it and was showing people left her and exactly how she did her tricks. So what ended up kind of crumbling this experiment. They, a lot of people on the committee were going to give her the $2,500. And what crumbled this experiment was a situation with a ruler where she was in this metal cabinet. And for whatever reason, during one of the experiments, she has to have her hands and feet inside Mm -hmm. instead of outside. Mm -hmm. And so they thoroughly checked this cabinet Mm -hmm. before they let her in Mm -hmm. to make sure there was no tricks. Um, And they, so she had to ring the bell again and the bell rang. And when they opened the cabinet, they found a ruler inside. So they thought that she used either on her hands or probably in her mouth that because she was kind of known to do that. Like the people that saw what was going on, she would put a rod in her mouth and move things. So things were floating or things were moving because she had a rod in her mouth. So they think with a ruler, that's what she did as well. And she, so that's where the controversy begins is she swears up and down it's not hers. Mm -hmm. And then people thought, well, Houdini must have put that in there to sabotage her. And furthermore, Houdini's assistant later said, oh, yeah, my boss had me put that in in there because, you know, we wanted to get that girl. He was going to take her down one way or another. 
So a lot of people have said that that's just not quite true. Yeah. Um, but that's like that's really when the takedown happened for her. Shit. She's going down, isn't she? She's yelling timber. Yeah. Oh fuck. I just quoted Kesha. Why did I do that? <laughs> Edit that out. Um <laughs> So she so um, you know, Houdini wrote his book about how she was a big fraud. And then um, a lot of the members of the American Society of Psychic Research came out and said, no, 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 we believe her. Mm -hmm. They were all on that panel. They saw this stuff they couldn't explain. They were on her side. So during that period of time, a lot of people were supporting her because this whole research panel was on her side. Houdini wasn't, but everybody else was. She started getting even more famous and had this whole thing where she had a piece of dental wax and it was hot. She would have it in hot water and then it wouldn't be seen and she would put it in cold water and suddenly there is a thumbprint and i believe she said it belonged to walter it's all walter and while yeah walter was making his impression on this piece of wax with his thumb and so people started to believe that oh i just saw it with my own eyes of course and later it was found out that the prints were an exact match for her dentist what and there were all yeah and there were also rumors that her dentist actually showed her how to do this <gasps> trick so um so they found the police said without a doubt it was definitely her dentist that takes a lot of guts yeah she i, I don't know how people were so swindled by her but they were i'm sure if you saw it with your own eyes and said i can't explain that it's one thing you maybe would have had to have been there yeah. but that was sort of the defining moment of like okay there's yeah. no escaping that this woman's a fraud yeah um as soon as you know that was proven so then i think they kind of the society backed away from her a little bit um and yeah so but it's still such a huge controversy that ruler yeah who put it there was it hers or did houdini because then it's like you know you really have no merit and no credibility if you're houdini and putting that in there to take someone down you know so no one knows if houdini's the bad guy or if it was her or I mean, I believe she's a fraud, but... I don't think Houdini put it there. But then again, you know, he was really frustrated that... But he was really frustrated that they were about to award her this money. Yeah. And basically say... And then people in the media were also claiming that he said that she's not a fraud and that she's the real deal. And so if the society decided to give her that money, it would basically take Houdini's reputation away as debunking psychics that weren't truly psychics, you know? So we did kind of have a motive to do it of, I'm just going to put that in there and then everyone will believe me. Um, and his assistant did come out and say he put it in there, but a lot of people say it's not credible wow. um, for some reason. So, yeah, so that's still kind of a big controversial topic there. Wow. She died in her 50s, I believe, but that was, I think, the last thing she did. It was kind of, she was known for that wax trick and then... Um, it was over. But it was the smoking gun. Yeah, it was the smoking gun and no one really believed her much after that, so... What can you do? You know, I thought it was a strange tale. It was also widely believed that she had relations with some people in the committee. Um, And so and there is some evidence for that. Wow. So people are also saying, all right, well, we can't really trust these guys now, can we? So she did kind of use her looks and her charm to um, sway people a little bit. Um, But yeah, I thought that story was interesting because you when you hear about that story at first glance, you see it as um, Houdini was stumped. Yeah, and he and he wasn't. And I I went into the story believing that he was, yeah. because that's what I had always heard. He was not, because I have so much respect yeah. for that man and his debunking methods. And uh, yeah, yeah. Well done, topic. Thanks. That was something I never. We knew did about. our research, folks. This time, 
Yeah. 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 If there's a topic that you really want us to cover, we'll take requests too. Yeah, we will. We should do a live yeah. episode. No, that could be dangerous. Let's not do a live episode. Yeah. <laughs> not yet. Um, not until we get. I do want to mention, though, that we are on iTunes now. So if you oh. would like to add us to your podcast app that you listen to podcasts yeah. on, which is what I do, and I think it's yeah. what you do as well, yeah. that way you can just search for us in the search engine. Um, you can do that. Yeah. And you can also, if you would rate it for us, we would really like that because yeah. um, we're new and people might want to find us and know more about us and that helps them see us. Um, yeah. And we've got our website and we always make blog posts with every episode and yeah, Allison's good at that. Yeah, I'm I'm doing yeah. the blogs and I'm riffing on Anna a little bit in those blog posts. So if you want to see me tear her apart, then just take a peek. <laughs> but I did. I said, oh, I made a comment about um, the movie Perfume, how you couldn't be bothered to finish it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the end is the best part, so it's fine. I know. And I have a couple other friends who um, asked me about it and they were like, wait, you haven't seen the end? What do you? Yeah, you're well, a perfumer. Watch it if you don't watch the end. And you fell asleep during it. And it would probably be your favorite movie. I know. I'm going to, I think I'm going to watch it later at Rump. the end. I'm going to watch it really at least. You would really yeah. love it. Um, it's pretty fantastic. The book is really good too. You should probably read the book oh. too. But when are you going to, if you can't even finish the movie, you're not going to yeah. finish and the I book. I can't even make a blog post. Can you make a blog and, post? And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at yeah. Beautiful Strange Podcast, please. We have fun on there. It's really fun to yeah. post daily goings on you can also like like us on facebook um you can find us do i sound tired right now <laughs> yeah we probably sound tired we're really tired we guys we did it you know it wasn't a chore either it was actually really fun but yeah i got really really excited about my topics and yeah no it's really fun to to go about it this way and share the stuff that we like with each other yeah. now i'm going to bed yeah yeah until until next time until next time folks we stay love strange. you oh yeah stay yeah. should we have like a catchphrase hey stay strange yeah. well if you're listening right now you would be what's called a strangeling you would be that is what you would be yeah. are you are you yeah. one yeah we think you might yeah. be outro song do, 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 do. Some short and fat, some tall and thin, and some don't even bother to wear.